Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Woodhounds. My name is Joe, and I'm sitting here at my desk looking at a very good-looking man named Dan. <laughs> Dan, tell the world hello. I don't know if I'd go that far, but hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Woodhounds podcast. And you're listening to the number one firewood podcast in the world. Oh my gosh, it's 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 great. It yeah, is great, great and it's it's number one because of all of you out there listening. We mm-hmm. greatly appreciate everybody tuning in each week, finding us on your favorite podcasting platforms, and uh, just giving us a listen. Yeah. So I uh, was talking with Dan, and he was telling me he did some research about podcasts and where the Woodhounds ranks uh in in the podcast universe dan do you want to maybe share some of those statistics with us yes it was kind of surprising when i started looking into just um percentage of downloads and you know comparing the uh podcasts out there to what our numbers are at and believe it or not joe we the woodhounds podcast we are in the top 10 percent of all podcasts in the world when it comes isn't to that a, isn't that amazing it is amazing <laughs> <laughs> i just i'm just blown away so dan had told me that statistic and i was thinking ah you've you misread something there man you know and i started looking around and i'll be darned yeah so i think there's a number of things at work okay so number one uh, are no, there's a lot of people out there listening to us and not just, you know, here in our home country, the United States, but I mean, worldwide. So, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are listening to us, but I think it also means that maybe we are, you know, the podcast podcasts aren't new, but it's not a, it's not the most established social media platform, you know, YouTube, Facebook, right. Instagram or Snapchat are well ahead of it. So, you know, that means that there's a lot of podcasts out there, but they don't get a lot of downloads. And what do you know? The Woodhounds, and we're in our second month, (laughs) our numbers are just amazing. They are way above expectations. So that is great. And I think that what that means is those of you listening are enjoying it and you're coming back and tuning in again. So. Yeah. And I think that our, the numbers are pretty strong to where I think we might start, we're starting to expand because it seems like the, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, come from our, our YouTube existence. Yes. But maybe now because the growth is still continuing uh, that we're, we're outpacing that and we're starting to attract you know, people outside of the fact that we're, that we got our start in YouTube. Wait, wait a minute. Are you saying it's possible there's people out there who haven't heard of us from YouTube? (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think you're right. I think that the reach (laughs) is expanding and I think we may also start seeing now where we find um, people out there who may come to YouTube to see what our YouTube channels are about. I think it's starting to work both ways. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've just been having a blast, Dan. 
uh, I find you very uh, fun to work with. You're very, uh, you know, the way you are on your YouTube channel is the, the way that you're like the person <laughs> I've gotten to know, you know, and yes. it's just been fun. I enjoy sitting down here. Uh, okay. I mean, it, it's probably inconvenient that you have to fly down to Ohio. Uh, yeah. Down to the Mahoning Valley to sit here at Woodhound studio to talk to me. Cause I'm just not going to go up there to see you. That's well, just... but, you know, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy coming down and, and seeing you, Joe. It's, it's always great hanging out with you. And it's always great to hear from you. Just like it's great hearing from some of our listeners. Yeah. And, yeah. And we're starting to get emails. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. And I was going to maybe read a couple of them right now. Okay. Well, maybe we can name this a new segment of our show. And this we'll call this listener mail. Yeah. So are you ready? Um, well, can we add a sound effect to it? Maybe. So, okay. So, <laughs> all right. So here we go. I'll say, uh, Dan, let's do our segment called Listener Mail. And the sound effect would have been right there. So if you heard it, we found one. <laughs> I, I like this. I like doing this with uh, having getting the listeners to tune in to some of the stuff going on here. But all right, let me find my email and I will read. Uh, the first one we received was from uh, Doug. And Doug said, great show. Keep it going. I have the same enjoyment from all aspects of firewood that you guys do. And enjoy listening to the shows while I'm driving. So, Doug, thanks for sending in the email. Appreciate hearing from you. And the other email that I'm going to read here was from Eric. And he says he's been listening to the podcast for a while from Bellingham, Washington. He's considering buying an outdoor wood boiler to heat his 4,000 square foot home. Wow. So he is wondering if... Um, if we might be able to give him some insights, some pointers, some uh, our take on outdoor wood boilers, um, you know, like from our perspective, because we both have them. We both have uh, an outdoor wood boiler. That's another thing that you and me have in common. Yes. Thanks, Eric, for that email. And uh, we were going to discuss another topic today, but maybe let's just let's just talk about this, uh, Dan. What do you think? Yeah, I, th I think it's a great topic. Um, and like you said, we both we both have a wood boiler, so we have something, another thing in common. And mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people out there listening probably also have wood boilers. And maybe there's more people like Eric on the fence kind of thinking about them, looking into it. Who knows? Um, so, Dan, an outdoor wood furnace I find to be a fascinating machine. I just think uh, what a interesting invention and you know that they actually work yes <laughs> <laughs> and you know i think the best way to understand what an outdoor wood furnace is is to think about your heater in your car or your truck where the water is heated up to where it's hot it's uh, pumped through a heat exchanger or what in a car you would call a heater core and like in my house, you know, the forced air furnace, we use the blower motor from it to blow air through the heat exchanger. Uh, but other places, you know, you can have radiant floor heat or uh, individual radiators in each room. 
yep. uh, which you know that which provides the heat so my outdoor wood furnace and well they're all the same you know all it is is a big tank of water mine is about 150 gallons of water some are more some are less and you use the firebox to heat the water uh it doesn't boil the water and i think that's misleading to call it an outdoor wood boiler at least mine is a non-pressurized yep boiler you know yep so it heats the water to about 170 degrees and it just sits out there when my house needs heat uh, the thermostat kicks on the water pump outside on my outdoor wood boiler and it pumps water underground through these heater hoses about the size of your heater hoses on your car or your truck and through a heat exchanger and the blower in the house from the forced air furnace blows through the heat exchanger so it uses the existing duct work uh, there's really nothing in my house that says that we have anything going on uh, other than we got an extra um, right. thermos, thermostat on the wall. That's yep. it. And then the water just circulates. The cold water goes back into the furnace outside, and it gets heated up again. Mine also heats our domestic hot water. Does yours do that? Yes, mine does the same. And the only difference is that mine has a pump that continuously cycles the water. So the water is always moving, oh, wow. and and the the water is what transfers the heat from outside into your house. That's that's always a thing that people, I think, sometimes don't understand, is how the heat from your fire outside gets into your house. Right. And it's carried by water. Water, yeah. So outside, while all this is going on, there is an aquastat. And when the temperature of the water drops to, at least in mine, is 150 degrees, it kicks on the blower, which blows air into the firebox, and it and it reignites the fire. So the fire isn't burning all the time. The fire will sit and smolder if you know the water temperature is up, uh, and it sits like that until the water temperature drops to around 150 degrees, and then it kicks it on until the water temperature goes back up again. Yep, and that's how they work. And you know you can heat them. Your fuel can be wood or coal, <laughs> and out here, garbage. Some people I know out here, you know, oh. are gar- yeah, burn their garbage. <laughs> I have heard people put shingles in there, oh, my asphalt goodness. tires. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I know what you when you get desperate in the springtime and you have no wood, <laughs> you're thinking, well, <laughs> all the furniture here, in your house is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't need this chair, do we? So. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah, that's, that's how they work. Yeah, it's it's a it's one of those instances where fire and water actually do mix. Ooh, Ooh look at that! Deep. Yeah, it's deep. That's how I got my start in firewood was because of the outdoor wood furnace. Well, you know, I call it an outdoor wood furnace, outdoor boiler. Boiler. Yeah. You know, that's where the that's where the the title Ohio wood burner came from because the industry and these furnaces are called OWBs, outdoor wood boilers. So I just changed it to Ohio wood burner. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but that's how I got my start. We bought a house. Um, we bought it off the bank and we didn't realize it. Uh, this is out in farmland out here and it's not on the gas line. And the, uh, we had to go to propane, which was pricey back in the early two thousands. So, 
just looking around out here in the farmlands, a lot of people have these outdoor wood boilers. And I started looking into it and, you know, we, we made the purchase, but you know, the, <laughs> uh, it, it is a lifestyle. It's not just something that you can just buy and forget, you know, it, it, it there's, you, you can have free heat, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. There are a lot of work in the amount of wood that you have to have on hand and produce. I think that's one big thing that people kind of overlook is, uh, you burn a lot of wood and yeah, that's, wood. that is where the work comes in. The, the big experience for me came at the end of my first year, because that was the most work with firewood I had ever done in my life to get enough wood to get me through the winter. And I was thinking, wow, you know, we just got through winter without a gas bill. But then I thought, oh my, I got to do this all over again. You know, yeah. there was no rest from finding firewood. And it is, you know, if you do it right, um, I think you should do it where you don't pay for your firewood. Your firewood should be for free. Uh, that makes your return on investment so much uh, better. Yeah. But, yeah. I just couldn't believe, you know, it's, <laughs> there is no escaping the outdoor wood furnace. It's a no. commitment. It is a commitment. And then if you throw in, um, if you want to try to get ahead on your wood supply. So like for me, I'd like to stay, try to stay two years ahead. So one winter, you might burn more wood than you thought because it was colder, it lasted longer. So now again, you're behind the eight ball and you're always mm -hmm. trying to get ahead and, you know, have enough firewood for the next season and then the next season. <laughs> yeah. I have. I have never gotten through a winter with a surplus. <laughs> never. I, you know, I remember what the survivor man, it was that show, you know, the guy go out into the woods. He had a rule. Whenever you think your wood pile is big enough, make it five times bigger. Yes. And I think that's true about the outdoor wood furnace. You, it doesn't matter how much wood you have. It is not enough. Right. <laughs> You're always going to need more. But the acquisition of firewood for me, though, became the it became it was a hobby. You know, if you don't find that enjoyable, the outdoor wood furnace is not for you. No. And but firewood was it was I called it the wood game where I just had a, I was passionate about finding firewood and it had to be free. And, you know, you, whenever there was a storm, I would drive around looking for blowdowns. Um, but what I what made hay with was with these farmers out here. I have learned that these farmers hate trees <laughs> and they, they just bulled out bulldoze down fields of trees, you know, to make farmland. And I just made friends with them and they says, have at it. And I would just drive out there with my truck. I would bring home a load and it was just a weekly, a weekly thing for me. Yep. Yeah. And that, and if, if you, you know, a lot of people find enjoyment in that and that's the big key where if you enjoy gathering and making firewood, then the wood boiler is almost for you because you need to do a lot of it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and having that source, like you said, either driving around. Um, the one thing that I did is I contacted uh, local tree service companies in my area and over the course of the last few years, I kind of became pretty good friends with one guy and his company, and I kind of go and help him out. So mm -hmm. he brings me all of my wood, 
And when you're burning an out, in an outdoor wood boiler, the other nice thing is it doesn't matter what the wood is. You know, you can burn maple, you can burn basswood, you can burn, yeah. you know, elm, you can burn oak, whatever you want, throw it in there and burn it. Yeah, total disregard for the species or anything. Yep. Um, even, you know, a splitting wood. Uh, ah, it's nice to have it split, but if it fits through the door in my furnace, it's going in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I remember when I first got started too, because my firebook, my firebox is like three feet deep. So I was thinking, well, heck, I could put in a real long log, you know? So when I first started and I was younger and stronger, I, my logs were longer. And I noticed, you know, by like February, my back hurts, my knee hurts, you know, because you're kind of, you got to pick the log up and you got to, with my furnace, I got to squat a little bit to stick the wood in. I noticed over the years, my logs kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> and now I just cut standard length, you know, 16 inch firewood for mine. And I usually have everything split, but not always. Yeah. And that, and that's one big debate that's out there, you know, whether you need to split your wood or not. And. And I like to, so, you know, I like to have seasoned wood that I know is going to burn good. Um, some people don't really care. I mean, that kind of just gets into personal preference. The reason I mm -hmm. like it is because with my system, uh, the, the blower on the boiler will kick on at a certain temperature level of the water. And so the more seasoned your wood is, I feel like you can recover your water temperature quicker you're not smoldering with, you know, wet wood or unseasoned wood. So that's just why I prefer seasoned wood split. And yes, because I don't like trying to throw in a hundred pound piece of, of yeah. oak. <laughs> I think with an outdoor wood furnace, you know, obviously the, the important thing is, is the firewood. But, you know, you still have to buy the furnace and you still have to have it installed if you can't do it yourself. You know, there's a trench and there's plumbing and electrical work that has to be done. Probably a woodshed that's got to be built. But I think you have to pay attention to where you're going to get your firewood. I think, um, I, you know, from just as a general statement, if you think that you're going to buy your firewood, mm, I don't think that's the right way to go. And I think that would just totally take away all of the benefits of the outdoor wood furnace, you know, which is no gas bill. Right. You know, and that is huge. And, you know, depending on what part of the country you live in, you know, if you have a gas bill for, you know, your heating months. Uh, but man, the quality of life is what drew me into year two and three, but I was thinking, do I really want to keep doing this? Cause this is a lot of work, <laughs> but ha having, having a house as warm as you want, yes, you know, we have complete disregard to that thermostat dial on our wall. We keep our house as warm as we want. Uh, our furnace also heats our domestic hot water and we have the hottest shower in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and not having that gas bill is a big deal. It really is. Yep. You know, and you know what it's like to think about, you know, oh my God, here comes the gas bill when you take it out of the mailbox and you don't get one. You know, we haven't had a gas bill in 16 years. Yep. Uh, so the quality of life and dealing with a toasty, warm house, house and a hobby of firewooding. 
you know, yes. is the draw to me. Um, but that's what I'm thinking. If you are seriously thinking about getting an outdoor wood furnace, I think your first question is, where are you going to get your wood? Yep. Um, and I have learned it's easy to find free firewood. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, you just got to know, you got to know who to ask. You can't be bashful. And, you know, a lot of people, you, I see it all the time. People set, you know, wood cut up out at the mailbox, you know, if they're giving <laughs> away for free. So, you know, the, the, so the first thing I think for anyone considering an outdoor wood furnace is your wood supply. Supply. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. whether you can maintain that supply for years to come, because that's where you end up getting back the money that the savings is once, you know, three, four, five years down the road, then you start your, you know, the boilers paid off from what you may have saved over your gas bill. And then you can really reap the benefits of it. But that's where I think a lot of people f fail to realize that is that they just automatically think they're going to save a bunch of money. And then after the second year, they're like, Oh, well, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing that you need to consider is where do you live, you know, yeah. and who are your neighbors and you may get along with your neighbor now, but will they be living there 10 years from now, you know, and will your new neighbors moving in, you know, find a outdoor wood boiler obnoxious, you know, <laughs> because let's, let's all admit they smoke and they smoke a lot and the chimney is much lower to the ground than it would be for like a fireplace on a house, you know? Yep. Uh, you know, a, a two-story house, you know, your chimney could be, you know, 30 feet up in the air. Where your outdoor wood boiler, usually the smokestack is pretty low to the ground. Um, so who is your neighbors? And then, you know, there's a lot of work that goes around that outdoor wood furnace. If you are splitting wood and running a hydraulic splitter, it's noise. If you're running saws, it's noise. You're driving your trucks in and out. It's noise, you know. So you got to be neighborly. I, I, <laughs> I know of a wood furnace up the road here that's in a residential area, and I just figure that he's this guy's got to be the most hated person in the neighborhood, <laughs> you know, because you throw in a green piece of wood, and I mean they just belch black smoke. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you so have I, problems with your neighbors? Nope. Well, not that they've ever told me, so I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I don't so so we've we've kind of discussed some of the the cons, but what are the pros? Like you mentioned one big thing for me, the same thing, keeping the house at whatever temperature we want, um, heating the domestic hot water, a huge savings mm -hmm. as, as well as well. Uh, the other nice thing, like I mentioned, was having all of the wood outside. The mess is outdoors. Yeah. And sometimes you, I'm, I usually only have to go out there twice a day. Yeah. So, same here. Yep. Yeah. Same here. I think having your wood pile outside of your house is huge. Yep. Uh, my neighbor has a wood burner in his basement, so they have a trap door, you know, they got to slide all the wood down. So in with it comes all the bugs, you know, those ants might be dormant in that log, but when they're in a nice toasty house, <laughs> you know, for a month, guess what? Yeah. Um, you know, all the dirt, all the fire risk, all the carbon monoxide risk, 
you know, yeah, everything's the, out. The bark, it's not in the your debris. House. You got to clean it out of your basement. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's what's nice, too, is, you know, you can just back your pickup truck right up to your woodshed if you have it all set up right. Yep. And just unload, and then uh, it saves you a lot of, you know, wheel barreling and, and running up and down stairs. So what, what do you do with your uh, boiler if you are out of town for a week? Well, that is our reality is that we do not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that is a very good point. If you are the type that goes on skiing weekends and uh, vacations in the wintertime, I don't think the outdoor wood furnace is for you because it's a big tank of water and yep. that, and that temperature has got to stay up or it's going to freeze into a big ice cube and bust all your pipes. <laughs> so we do not go on vacation. We have kids in school and you know, it's during the school year. So we just, we've just never taken our vacations during the winter time. Yeah. You are kind of committed. Uh, once the snow flies or once the temperatures drop, you're mm-hmm. kind of committed to keeping that thing going all the time. Or if you got it, very good re- neighbors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then your neighbor wouldn't know because, you know, your fire can go out. You know, some things happen. Yeah. But if they're if they're just checking your house twice a day, they might not know that it has gone out. Right. Yes. And, and they do have, like my system, for example, does have where if my fire in the boiler goes out um, and the temperature in the house drops below a certain level, my natural gas furnace will then kick on and backheat the water so it doesn't freeze. So there are oh, workarounds wow. to it, but you still don't really want that. Because once that fire goes out and you have to bring all that water back up to temperature, you're going right. to burn a lot of wood and it's going <laughs> to, it's it's just a pain. And I, don't, and I don't think it's healthy for your furnace either because of the, you know, the uh, expansion and contraction yeah. of all of your fittings, you know, when they get cold and hot. Uh, I think the you know that that happens over time that can cause your some joints to fatigue and start leaking. <laughs> yeah, it's which it's would def- be bad. They're definitely made to once you start them up, keep them going until you shut them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what is your typical burn season? When do you usually start? When do you usually end? Mine. Tr- it just happened this way. It seems like mine is between Halloween and Easter. And, um, we, we don't have, we don't have the big propane tank for our house, but we do have one of these small auxiliary ones. That's like for emergency backup. Yep. If we don't use any gas in that thing, then we get a, we get a tank rent, (laughs) which is very (laughs) annoying. So, we use as much gas to pay for the tank rent. So, you know, when you're getting into the fall, um, you know, we don't fire it up until, till after Halloween where it's consistently cold. The challenge with these outdoor wood furnaces in the early fall, late spring, when the temperatures are really cold at night, but warm during the afternoons is, you know, they can overheat, or because they're, you're not drawing a lot of heat out of them. Yep. And uh, you, they can also, the fire can go out because yep. they've sat there for so long. And that's mm-hmm. where that's where it kind of helps having, you know, knowledge of like 
the types of wood that are good to burn when you need a lot of heat or when you don't need so much heat. So I generally always start mine the first week of October and I burn mm -hmm. all the way through the end of May. So I have like seven months, seven, eight months where I'm, you know, burning because I save on my electric, you know, and my heating, <laughs> my hot water bill. But mm -hmm. to your point about in the, the early and the late season, uh, that's when I usually burn like softwoods. I'll even burn pine. You know, I'm not burning oak because to your point, you, you can overheat and, you know, boil your water off if, if it gets too hot. So, mm -hmm. but it is definitely nice to, uh, <laughs> well, and I, I guess, you know, like the whole thing is I don't want to, I don't want Eric to hear this and think that we're trying to talk him out of a boiler, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just have to point out the things that some people I think may overlook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you have to have a plan. You have to consider the prevailing winds. You know, you don't want to put it to where the, you know, where the winds are blowing in the wintertime directly onto your house yep. <laughs> or at your neighbors or wherever. Like my, the prevailing winds head out to the forest here where we live. So we're good with that. You want to have it. I think you want to be able to see your smokestack from your house, from a window, because the smokestack is always telling you how the furnace is doing. Yes. You, know, you can tell if it's struggling, if you know, you need to go stoke the, you know, punch the logs or if the fire's out, you know, or if it's overheating. So you always want to have it to where you can see it. And then you want to have like a convenient driveway of some sort where your truck can get to it in all kinds of weather uh, in the spring or in the, in the fall. If you have a load of wood that you need to put over there, uh, you want to be able where you can get to it without getting stuck. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you also got to consider where your lines are being routed into your house and to your, you know, to have how you're heating it either with a forced air furnace in the basement, or if you have, you know, radiant floor heat or however that lines are coming into the house where your heat exchangers are, you need to consider that because those lines that, um, that run underground, they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, are they expensive? So you want to, you know, maximize that distance and, and have your furnace far enough away from your house so that you don't put, you know, embers on your roof and light your house on fire or on your uh, wood pile. That was my, yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> make sure you don't stack your wood too close to it because embers will fall mm -hmm. and burn up yeah. all your wood in one night. <laughs> yeah. My furnace is about 50 feet from the house. How far is yours? Uh, a little further. And I actually have mine inside of a shed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the longer distance, the more heat loss uh, that you're going to have <clears throat> yeah. because I can see, you know, when it snows outside, you can see the, the, where the lines are because they melt the snow on the ground. <laughs> do, you, do you have your lines though wrapped inside of another? Yeah, but I did it myself because I, when uh... we put this in, in like 2004 or five, I can't remember now the, the, those lines were like $11 a foot. <laughs> and I was thinking, there is no way I'm spending that much money, you know, for, for this stuff. So I made my own. And then I think now, uh, looking back upon it, I should have just spent the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the line that I have coming in, it it hardly has any heat loss. It's 
Oh, wow. The two lines inside like another 10 inch or eight inch tube that's Mm -hmm. packed with insulation, like almost spray foam insulation. Right. And it's, it, I think it's pretty efficient. I think it works pretty, pretty well. Okay. And mine's three feet in the ground too, is yours? I think mine's actually about four and a half to five. Wow. Yeah. Down. Okay. So Joe, if you were to uh, do it all over again and you could start from a clean slate, would you have an outdoor wood boiler? Long pause. The, The answer is absolutely yes. Would I have done some things differently? Absolutely yes. But I have considered my outdoor wood furnace a total success. Um, the one that I purchased, I'm completely happy with. It was at the time, the most inexpensive furnace that I could find. Uh, I paid $5,000 for mine and I installed it myself, dad and I, I paid a neighbor a couple bucks to come dig a trench, you know, for the, for the lines. And I had it paid for in two and a half winters and it was paid for. Yeah. No gas bill. That, That is that is the prize, in my opinion, is yep. no gas bill. But the quality of life, you cannot deny that. You know, to have a toasty warm house with complete disregard for a from a gas bill. Yes. That is huge. 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 Yes. Uh, the shower, you know, it's just it's just a great yeah. it's a great lifestyle. It has also brought me, you know, Ohio Woodburner. You know, it started a hobby for me that I was able to turn it into a side hustle and then transition that into a semi-successful business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the outdoor wood furnace. I even, I drive around town. I noticed them. <laughs> I'll notice houses that have them. You know, I'm always, and I'll rubber neck when I drive by just to see how their, <laughs> their, how their setup is, you know. I love the outdoor wood furnace. I will at times uh, go outside and just sit on a log in my woodshed and look at it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. I'll sit out there and watch it burn. You know, I just love it. I love it. Yeah. How about you? I, I would absolutely do it all over again as well. Um, And all the things you mentioned, and I will also throw in the fact that when your wife is taking a 45 minute shower and it's, you know, the bathroom's full of steam. You're not sitting there saying, gosh, what is this going to run my electric bill up to? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's huge. We have, we have an 80-gallon electric hot water tank in the basement. And it just seems silly. Like, right now, I have 80 gallons of hot water in my basement that I don't need, you know? Yep. Uh, but in the wintertime, we throw the breaker switch on it, and it just it just comes right from our outdoor wood furnace. Yep. Yeah. And you know, there is a savings there too, you know, for electric usage. Yeah. My electric bill is almost cut in half. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's nice. Yep. So Eric, hopefully some of these things we discussed, we, we, I'm sure we didn't touch on them all, but we could probably Mm -hmm. be here all day if we wanted to. Um, and maybe this will lead to some more emails coming in and some more conversation around outdoor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do know when I show my furnace on my YouTube channel, it gets a lot of interest. 
Yes. Yeah, a lot of interest. One of my most viewed videos was my was my furnace. And and the interesting thing is is that I I believe there's a lot of changes coming to the newer outdoor wood furnaces and the type of wood that's best to burn in them and the efficiency yeah. of them and the emissions yeah. of them. So there's a lot there's a lot that's, you know, they are a very I mean, I love them. But let's admit this. They are just very inefficient. Oh, yes. Very. <laughs> in in you know, the current night, state. At nighttime, yes. I can see that flame shooting out of my stack. You know, that's just <laughs> heat. Heat going up into the atmosphere. They are very inefficient. Um, you know, if you are sensitive to, you know, smoke, if you have asthma or, you know, I mean, it's, they can really, really smoke a lot, especially because you will get lazy and start burning green wood. You know, you'll have a tree that you just cut down and it goes. Yep. <laughs> and, and man, does it smoke. You'll really learn the difference of what, you know, actual seasoned firewood burns like versus a green stick of wood. And when it gets cold, you will use a lot of wood. Oh, my gosh. I think one it, one winter I, some, I was going like almost a face cord a week. So over yeah. a cord a month. It's amazing. I will fill that furnace up at night before I go to bed. And then like the next morning, you know, when I wake up, I go out there, it's empty. I was like, where did it all go? (laughs) (laughs) Where did it go? It's just amazing how much wood these things use. Yes. Well, all right. I think it was a good conversation. Like I said, I think it will lead to possibly more in the future. Sure. Um, And once again, if, if you out there are listening right now and you have a topic or a comment you'd like to send in to us, you can do that uh, emailing us at the, the email address is thewoodhounds at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. And, you know, again, we are just blown away by our the reception of this podcast. And uh, we just want to thank everyone for uh, checking in and downloading. All right. So yes, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And Joe, as always, it's been great hanging out with you once again for another great episode of the Woodhounds. Yeah, this has just been a lot of fun, Dan. And I want to thank everyone for downloading and your comments. And please uh, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So until next week, Joe. All righty. Everyone have a good day.